So I sat down to begin work on our show document for this episode, and I started pulling together all the items of follow-up that I had. Mm-hmm. I have more follow-up than I think we have time for an episode. Oh, yeah. So much has happened. The Time Strikes Back episode wreaked more havoc than was originally <laughs> anticipated because it yeah. didn't only just affect the episode that came after it. Right. Which was... No, before it, which was technically after it. Yeah. It still affects this one as well because we set up a lot of things on that episode that we have not resolved. So right. this episode, we're going to hopefully close the time continuum problem that we have opened. Looking through the show notes, mm-hmm. there are things that you put on here that I thought, didn't that happen three months ago? It's very confusing. <laughs> it's it's so hard. And I have this extra layer of difficulty, which is that my wife has been traveling. So I've had the house to myself. And, and the radius of my life has been so very small because I also don't have my office. And I redid my home office so that I could just work here. And I've been on my own just living this cycle of like, getting up, working, going back to sleep. And when you don't change your environment at all for a month, you have no sense of time. So mm-hmm. I, I feel doubly confused looking at this list because the last month of my life, I have no sense of how long it is. And then we have all of these things to talk about. So I'm baffled by this list. Because I'm super confused. Like, I'm trying to piece together right now. Like, when did we even record episode 91? Nobody knows. Like, I'm so confused about it. Like, I know that we were in person, but I don't remember when it... Anyway, so we have (laughs) really ruined everything by doing that. Yes, we have ruined everything. So we have to start out with the thing from the mists of time, Mm -hmm. which is the Relay FM podcast-a-thon. Yes. Do you remember that, Mike? I do remember that. So throughout all of September, we were raising money for St. Jude's Children's Cancer Research Hospital. Um, we raised over $314,000, which is <sighs> unbelievable. I would like to sincerely thank every Cortexan that put money in. Um, that's absolutely incredible. Our original goal was $75,000, yeah. uh, and we raised over 300000 So that is absolutely unbelievable like just really could not believe that we quadrupled and then some our original yeah. goal the six hour podcast-a-thon that we recorded at saint jude went off perfectly we're so happy with it if you are interested and have not yet seen it there is uh, an entire video of this because we streamed it live um, on twitch but we have the video on youtube i'll put a link to that in the show notes but i just wanted to round that out and say like Thank you to everyone. I, you know, absolutely blown away by the response. Like, just wild. Pie hundred thousand dollars is a shocking amount of money. Wow, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> oh, had you not? We raised pie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's doubly pleasing because of that. But yeah, it is a totally shocking amount of money. And yeah, I remember at one point checking in and being like, "Oh, they're going to cross the quarter million dollar mark," which was already mind blowing. And it's like, and it kept. Kept on moving. Just kept going. So, Just kept yeah. on trucking that Ab- thing. Thank you to everyone who contributed to that. Yep. Really awesome. Like, genuinely, like, absolute career highlight to be yeah. able to, to do all of that. So, yeah, we were absolutely blown away by it. It was awesome. Uh, we spoke about uh, Jiro Dreams of Sushi 
mm-hmm. on our last episode. And I just wanted to tell you that I've eaten some really good vegetarian sushi. I'm like tiptoeing my way through this. Oh, okay. are, you, are you trying to level up yeah. in sushi? Is that what you're trying to do yeah, here? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm slowly, like, I'm trying to get more used to like the flavors and just the presentation and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff as I'm trying to move myself along the route. Because I decided I want to go to Japan in like two years or something like okay. that. Like that's kind of what I'm aiming for. So I do not have any desire not desire is not the right word i do not want to book a table at jiro's restaurant but i do want to eat good sushi in japan right so while i'm up until then i'm trying to like level up slowly and i've started a vegetarian sushi which is like that's where i'm kind of moving forward from there okay what's the initial report well the place that i ate i was at the restaurant in london it was very good Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna try and convince you to eat it okay you're going to try to level me up on sushi as well? Yeah. I mean, I did recently eat the equivalent of conveyor belt sushi, which as we all know is the is the bottom of the barrel <laughs> and and to be spit upon, according to Jiro. So what do you mean? Oh, it was just like a sort of takeaway sushi thing. Was it fish though? No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't fish. It was also vegetarian. It was also vegetarian. Yeah, it was okay. just like little avocados in, in rice. But I did have the ghost of, of Jiro leaning over me, just like tutting at the existence of this sort of sushi. Like, no, no, this is not how it's supposed to be. All right. But yes, I, I will I will be more than willing to try highly recommended vegetarian sushi from Mike. And, it's not and me. maybe make it. try to lay... <laughs> Wait, what was that? <laughs> you said from me. It's like, I didn't make it. I just went to a place. No, look, I, like, I think when, when someone brings you to a restaurant, mm-hmm. that counts as them cooking. As far as I'm concerned, it's like, yeah, it's close enough. So who pays in this scenario? The, the idea of then like you thinking that they cooked for you. Do they then have to pay? No, I think the answer is whenever you're out at a restaurant, everyone should always split the bill. And this is this is mm. my crusade. And I, t- I totally hate this. Yeah, I have joined you in this. OK, yes. <laughs> where we, we work together on this. Like, yeah. when we're in larger groups, like you have to split. Yeah, you just have to split. The, the idea of trading off is, I, I don't like it at all. It just makes more sense. We live in the modern world. Everybody just split the bill and that's what you do. And it's nice and easy. I am also, while we're talking about this, like for some reason we've turned into a dinner manners podcast at the moment, but right. I also believe in splitting the bill equally. Well, it's, it's equally proportional to couples. Or however people are, uh, are at a meal. But but yeah. I believe equally. Like, I hate when we go to... And like, oh, but I didn't drink alcohol. But I, but you did. So yeah. therefore, I shouldn't... Like, just split... If you're amongst friends, just split it equally, you know? Yeah. There's two things that you're trying to optimize here for. It's like fairness and simplicity. And splitting equally is the way to is the way to do that because i always feel sorry for the wait stuff because they then have to get a calculator like you just you know i feel bad for them. i don't know like get a calculator what like we, we live in a world where everybody doesn't have a calculator immediately no no no, no no i mean in the scenario when you're not splitting equally ah uh, okay right? right yes because then yeah. you're becoming a problem for them as well at that point i agree yes that that is the point at which you're an inconvenience to the other person unreasonably. But yep. the, the pushback on, oh, the waiter has to divide by five, I don't think is... No, everyone can right. everyone can yeah, do that. That's fine. <laughs> and I don't expect people to do it in their brains, right? Like, I want to see a calculator come out at that point, right? Like, that's like we're, we're all adults here. Yeah, it's, yeah. So, anyway, that's the answer to who's paying. We're all paying. We're all paying. <laughs> all of you are all paying. <laughs> so, Mike... 
can I ask, mm-hmm. which handed are you? All right. So, a couple of episodes ago, we had a debate about whether I was left that. or right-handed. <laughs> because I write with my left hand. I do everything else with my right hand. You said I was right-handed. And yeah. I was infuriated by this and created a poll, right? Okay. Now, I was very frustrated by this poll. <laughs> were you frustrated because it told you that you were right-handed? No. Which is no, what you are? Wait. Shush. Uh, to start, it was horrifyingly level, like for right. a long time, for like multiple days. It was wild to see that this, it was basically oscillating around 50%. It was crazy to watch that. Like I've, I've never really seen that type of thing before. Like I know you see these things on the internet quite a lot, but I don't think I'd ever been involved in one where it was just like incredibly level at 50%. And then it started to skew quite significantly towards right-handed. And I got mm-hmm. really mad. And okay. I, do you want to know why I got really mad? Why did you get really mad? <laughs> because I believe that this is one of those situations where everybody's agreeing with you because it's you. No, see, I disagree with that, Mike. Everyone's agreeing with me no. because you're right-handed. No, I don't believe that most people in an isolated environment would say that I was right-handed because nobody thinks of it. And but anyway, this no, is all no, moot. There, no, no, but the reason, no, the reason, no, moot. the reason, no, no listen, the shush, reason it would, no, shush, the reason it wouldn't happen <laughs> is because people wouldn't contradict you. Because they're being polite. No, that's And, and they're thinking, like, look, if he, wants BS, to think of, if he wants to think of himself as a lefty, it's not worth, it's not worth pushing back on right, this well, point. But then that's also right? the point, <laughs> then, isn't it? The point still remains that, like, I should be able to define myself as a human being. But yeah, anyway. In, in, on on many vectors, yes. But nonsense. not handedness. Handedness, you don't get to say which way you are. I closed the poll down. <laughs> when I closed the poll down, 88% okay. of people said I was right-handed. Okay, well, that sounds suspicious. Especially when I looked at the results, and it said that over 40,000 Cortexans voted. Now, it seems like a very high number for a poll, right? Like, that is a very high number. Yeah. 40,000 people caring enough to answer that question. We have a lot of listeners, but that's a crazy high engagement rate. Yeah, (laughs) 40,000 people is a lot of people. Mm -hmm. There has been some foul play, Gray. I have access to the voting history. Okay. Starting on September the 14th, there was a continuous stream of right-handed votes every few seconds that lasted for multiple days. So, someone has ruined this for everyone. Okay. I will say that on the 18th of September, there were some left-handed votes for a bit, but it was nowhere near as many as the right-handed votes. So, this whole thing is a travesty. The mm-hmm. entire vote has been null and voided. Mm-mm. Yes, completely no, uh, null and no, void now. No, that's different. Uh, it's one hundred percent didn't happen. No, I'm, di- I'm going di- to disagree with you here. Why? Well, okay, so it does sound like there was some foul play, and that someone ruined it for everyone. There was a lot of foul play, and it was ruined. Right, which is what happens on the internet. <laughs> like, there's always <laughs> someone with a pie who's just waiting to throw it because it's so fun. <laughs> yep. it was all, I will say, again, I don't think I've ever been a part of something like this before. Mm-hmm. It was kind of fun for me to, to see that, like to see yep. all these votes. It's like, uh-oh, look, someone's being mischievous out there. But you've ruined it for everybody. I just want you yes. to know. However. No. However. So there's this thing which people find very difficult to believe but it's that poll results very often, you know, if, if you're asking a bunch of people, hey, vote on this thing, mm-hmm. the first minute of polling is going to be exactly the same as, as like the next two weeks later. 
if it's right well that means we're 50 50 then but but this is what i'm saying so like you say the whole thing is invalidated and the very fact that you had a couple days where it was just like the the audience's split on this the most vital issue of our time and that like that was being shown to be the case that i think it's probably fair to say the actual representation of the audience thoughts are that 50 percent of them are being polite and agreeing with you that you're left-handed and the other 50 percent know that you're right-handed this is a, that is unacceptable what you just said but this whole thing has i will not say i'm right-handed because that is nonsense this some actual helpful non-mischievous cortexans have informed me of a thing called cross dominance mm-hmm. not only like people are telling me about this i had somebody email me who knows somebody who works in academia in this exact field hmm. and i am cross dominant so i want to just i want to read the wikipedia uh, entry for cross dominance cross dominance okay. also known as cuz People said this to me as well. Mixed handedness, hand mm-hmm. confusion, which is hilarious. Ooh, hand confusion, I like Very that. Very confused. Or mixed dominance is a motor skill manifestation in which a person favors one hand for some tasks and the other hand for others. Hmm. That's me, right? Interesting. Cross dominant. I'm cross dominant. I'm not right handed, I'm not left handed. I am, in fact, cross dominant, which That's is different to being ambidextrous. Yeah, it's, it's not the same as ambidextrous. No. You, you have hand confusion, which is just a different confusion. thing from ambidextrous. <laughs> you know, I think I might say that instead. I'm hand confused. Yeah, you, you have hand confusion. Yeah. The Wikipedia page here says, for example, a cross-dominant person might write with the right hand and throw mainly with the left one. Mm-hmm. I think for no other reason than linguistic clarity, they should say should write with the left hand yes. and perform other tasks with the right one. Yeah, I don't know why you would say write with the right hand. Like, yeah. That is just, it's just a, a peculiar thing to make your decision on. But, you know, for no other reason, I think those those two should be switched. And also, as I, I will believe that that is the best way to be anyway. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> now, now we have hand confusion dominance is what's going on here. Yeah. <laughs> That's very interesting, though. I never, I had not I'd never heard across of this. this. Yeah. Because people have always said to me, like, oh, you're ambidextrous. Like, no, I'm not ambidextrous. Like, that's a different thing. Like, so, like, yeah. And then kind of the conversation ends. No one's ever said to me before, you're cross-dominant. Like, this mm. makes perfect sense. Uh, and I'm willing to live my life, the rest of my life, believing this. You're hand-confused. That's what you are. I'm hand-confused. Yeah, I like that. I like coming across something that I've never come across before. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit sad that I won't get to forever tell you that you're actually a righty. And instead, I'll have to tell you that you're hand-confused. I'm fine with, with hand-confused. <laughs> I mean, I will not describe myself as such, but uh-huh. I have no problem with you doing it. <laughs> it feels like a good thing for a Twitter bio, like Michael Hurley. Hand-confused. <laughs> This episode of Cortex is brought to you by HelloFresh. HelloFresh makes cooking delicious meals at home a reality, regardless of your comfort level in the kitchen. From step-by-step recipes to pre-measured ingredients, you're going to have everything you need to get a wow-worthy dinner 
on the table in just about 30 minutes. You'll be able to break out of your dinner rut with HelloFresh seasonal chef-curated recipes each week. You don't have to sit and do all the meal planning and go to the grocery store and get all the ingredients and have more than you need and forget that one thing. HelloFresh takes care of all of this for you. There is something for everyone, from family recipes, from calorie-smart options, vegetarian meals, and they also have fun menu series like their Hall of Fame or Kraft Burgers for you to choose from. HelloFresh has more five-star recipes than any other meal kit service, so you know you're going to get something delicious. It's super flexible too. You add extra meals to your weekly order, and you can even add tasty add-on treats like garlic bread or cookie dough. Now, I could sit and tell you how fantastic all of these meals are, how wonderful the recipe cards are, how tasty it all is, but for me, the very best thing that I have found from HelloFresh is getting the confidence to cook. It helps you step-by-step in how to make something and you learn new skills, you practice in the kitchen. And that has been a big change to my life and I think it can for you too. For $80 off your first month of HelloFresh, go to hellofresh.com slash Cortex80 and enter the code Cortex80, Cortex80. That's like receiving eight meals for free. So go right now to hellofresh.com slash Cortex80 and use the promo code Cortex80. Our thanks to HelloFresh for their support of this show and Relay FM. Throughout the month of September, we were very combative. For, for, I don't know why. Like we had the left and right-handed thing, and we also had a bet on the theme system. You remember this? Uh, I, I have a vague memory that I was right. I don't remember what about. I don't uh, know why. You, we have we had two. Th- you, no, <laughs> you had a vague memory that you were hand confused. <laughs> uh, that we had two thousand notebooks to sell. Right. Oh, okay. Wait a second. This is right. We discussed this when we recorded in person. That's what. Okay. Now Mm -hmm. I have a clear memory of what happened here. Okay. Got it. So when we last spoke, we had 2000 notebooks to sell. Um, well, actually, it wasn't when we lost. And it doesn't matter. <laughs> In our last episode, we spoke about the fact that there were 2,000 notebooks for sale um, and right. that they were on their way to our fulfillment partner, Cotton Bureau, where they would be put on sale. And right. we, that was it. We weren't going to promote it. We were just going to let the email notification list go out and just see what happened. Yes. And we made a bet. So the bet was you thought they would sell out immediately. Mm-hmm. And my bet was that we would sell half within like the first day, and then the rest would sell slowly from there. Right. That th- this would be establishing what we both wanted, which mm-hmm. is regular sales. Yep. So we have some sense of what is the audience and usage size of this journal over time, not what does a single sales spike look like. Yep. And I thought you had ordered too few to actually achieve that goal by a lot. So they went on sale on the 6th of September. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's, it's just bonkers to me. Like, what the, the way that time worked for us, Wait. I just am so confused. <laughs> Did you say 6th of September? Yeah. Okay, it's the 24th of October now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, my God. But we okay. last recorded on the 5th. Okay. Even though all the episodes came out after that okay all right. right but anyway but anyway so so it went, it went on sale two months ago and now we're getting the result well like a month anyway we had 2000 mm-hmm. we sold 1500 notebooks on day one. Oh, i win just wait no no i've already won that's There's not no, sold out we weren't sold out in 24 hours my friend 
All right. I'm not saying you've lost, <laughs> but I want to <laughs> dig into this. Okay. All right. You keep digging. My favorite thing was that over the first few hours, we were selling 35 notebooks a minute. Oh, that's great. Which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, this, I think, both terrified and excited Cotton Bureau <laughs> as they were watching this happen. By Monday mm-hmm. the 9th, we had sold 1,645. Mm-hmm. By Saturday the 14th, we were sold out. Hmm. Interesting. That's, that's an interesting shape to that curve. It is, isn't it? Oh. So what happened was the people that were on the mailing list, they'd, I think, pretty much all purchased by Monday. Right. And then... Oh, okay. Right? Right. So then we had a small amount left, and like I tweeted about it. We tweeted about it from the Cortex Twitter account, and I think that that just then added to the rest of them trickling out over the rest of the week. Right. When did the episode talking about it go up? After. After all of this had happened? Yeah. Huh. Okay. Hmm. All right. That slightly changes things. Yeah. Hmm. It was all very peculiar. Hmm. Obviously, I've won. But what I was going to say is the shape of that curve initially made me think we got kind of closer to what the correct order amount was that I, than I would have guessed. But then to realize all of this happened before the episode where we talked about it even went up mm-hmm. says to me, oh, we're the order size was still way off. The order size was way off, yes. That wasn't correct. That this is entirely from the email list and a little bit of Twitter. Yeah. It says order size was still too small. Yes, the order size was too small, especially because I wanted to have some in stock for the rest of the year from that order. Right. In theory, we would be selling them right now. We would be telling you to go to Classic Cortex brand, Merch. Cortexmerch.com. <laughs> they both work. Cortexmerch.com. Yeah, whatever. Uh, to go buy the theme system, but that's not something that we can tell you to do right now. That's how we would have known that you were correct in the bet. Yes, is that if we were still selling them because now. we'd be saying, go buy them. Mm-hmm. But instead, what we have to tell people now is to get on the email list if you yeah. want them. There are two email lists now, and okay. they serve different purposes. So if you go to cortexmerch.com and click on the theme system and put your email address in that field, you will be notified the next time that they go on sale, and then that's it. It's not an email newsletter. It's just a restock notification. So Ah, if you put your email address in previously and you didn't buy or you want to know when it's going to happen again, you still have to go there and put your email address in again. I think that that is a sensible way of doing it. This is It's not an email newsletter. It's just like, when will it next restock? Right. If you want to be on an email newsletter so you'll know every time and maybe get some additional information in the future... If you go to thethemesystem.com, there is a sign up there. That's going to be an email newsletter that I will be running over time. Like I'm trying to work out what we would put in there. But there, I will also be sending mm-hmm. out like, oh, we have them in stock notifications on that one too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's where we are right now of email stuff. So, because again, we're still trying to manage expectations for this. It's, it's super tricky. The current status is we will have some in stock sometime in December. We have more on the way. Yes. We'll have some for sale in December, some for sale in January. I know that for sure. Mm-hmm. And then po- post-January, my expectation is that the next printing after that will feature some revisions to the journal, which I'm working on mm-hmm. now. Um, so that will be the second edition. But it's tweaks. I'm very happy with the overall format. I'm really just tweaking some stuff. Mm-hmm. We definitely had some production peculiarities, 
but I've been told by everybody that we work with, we were within kind of the expected percentages for considering the amount of size that we had. Mm-hmm. But we always hold back a small amount of notebooks for replacements. And yeah. we had some that were like, there was one that was print, the cover was printed upside down, which is kind of hilarious uh, and stuff like that. But we, can, we just replaced those. I really puzzled over that one for a long time yeah i've asked like because <laughs> mine and your theory on this you you put you posited this theory yeah. to me and i totally believed it which is like oh they must have stopped the machine took it out to look at something and put it in the wrong way yeah that's the only way i can conceive of this yep. happening but then when i asked like tom and dan at studio neat who helped me with all this stuff like no that wouldn't happen like you wouldn't do that like you can't okay stop it and take it out so i have no idea <laughs> no but that no, no but it's like that, no, that has to be what happened. Well, <laughs> all right, okay. <laughs> <That's>, look, <laughs> look, these experts, mm-hmm. you know, they may know everything about the manufacturing process. But what I want to know is how does one book out of a thousand end up with a cover that's upside down? Like, I, it's, 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 it's maddening to try to think about how does mm-hmm. this, how does this physically occur in the world? And this again to me is a, a delightful discussion about the completely unexpected things in terms of manufacturing yep. of of what can happen and this is this is something that would also never have occurred to me ahead of time it's like oh manufacturing high quality notebook the finest of papers the the most delightful of covers the most the deep deepest of, in deep of embossing <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> the deepest bossing <laughs> yes the deepest bossing and you expect, oh, when you're manufacturing something, yes, any anything is going to have some number of defects. Like that's just what happens in the manufacturing process. But something like a cover upside down Doesn't feels to me sense, like a com- it? it's a completely different thing. Yep. Like we had a couple of people who like the the binding didn't sit correctly. Like the cover mm-hmm. came away. I totally expect that. Or like that there was uh, it got like significantly dinged up during postage. Again, like this is the yeah. stuff that happens. Like that stuff just happens. It just yeah. happens. But the cover being upside down, like that person, <laughs> they have like a, a collector's item right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really is. But that's why, you know, I'm convinced the machine stopped, someone took out a thing to look at it, and they put it back in, and it went in backwards, mm-hmm. and they didn't notice. There's no other physical explanation for how that could have possibly occurred. But this is why you hold back some. I will tell you, I, I, when I, like, because, you know, you hear from people, they tweet at me, or they tweet at the Cortex Twitter account or whatever, and I was really concerned. I was like, oh, no, like, is this happening? And and basically everybody that I work with was like, nope, it's going to have happened. Like, we've probably heard from everybody who had a problem, mm-hmm. and we're all, you know, we're good. And I was like, Phew. I was I was really worried about it. I think you were too, right? Like, we were kind of like, oh, no, look, it's like people posting on the Reddit, like, but... It's just there's a few that were wrong and we fix it. And the way we fix it is by sending people a new one, right? Like it's- This is also the terror of, again, physical products. Yeah. Because you have a hard time gauging the scale. Like, you know, you get shipped the samples for mm-hmm. is this the quality that you're looking for? But you just don't know if something happens where the guy at the factory loaded them all in backwards, wasn't paying attention, and then we just manufactured 1500 with a cover upside down. It's all a leap of faith, this stuff. Yeah, so so it, it introduces new, random, high-variant sources of stress into your life, mm-hmm. having physical products in this way. Yep. But I do have to say, the upside, and one of the things that I have enjoyed, is being on the Reddit and seeing the examples of how people are using the journal. Yes. And it's like, man, some of the, some of the examples of what people are doing 
are fantastic and beautiful. <laughs> like there's been some some really great postings there on the Reddit. Yeah, I am blown away by the creativity of some mm. people that are using the notebook. Like the way that some people are like interpreting the daily theme section and using color and completely different markings to what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. It really is fascinating. And there is a something that I wanted to do with the themesystem.com website. I want to be able to post examples of other people's layouts, right? Mm-hmm. To just kind of give you more of a flavor. Like I have one of my own on there. So I wanted to encourage theme system users to do that. So uh, please post on the Reddit, which is r slash Cortex. Or if you uh, want to post them on Instagram, a uh, couple of things you could do. You could either use a hashtag, the theme system, and, mm-hmm. I'll, and I'll find it. Or, and probably good, you can... I don't know if Gray knows about this, but Cortex brand has an Instagram account, which is Instagram. Oh, I know, I know, I know okay, Cortex good, has good, an good, Instagram. Good, 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 I'm good, all good. about the grams, Mike. You really are. So we are Cortex brand on Instagram. Tag that, um, and if you... And then, you know, I'll, I'll get in touch and ask if it's okay for me to publish them on the website, which is something that I want to do. Uh, but I will include in the show notes for this episode a couple of my favorite examples that I've seen um, on the Reddit so far. It really is awesome. Like, I'm, I'm mm. so... I cannot tell you how great it feels to see people using this notebook, mm. like really using it. Uh, it's been kind of overwhelming for me mm. because this is a thing that like, I believe it can help people and because it helps me. And then I see people that have been using it like in incredible detail, really like understanding the system and getting into it. Like I'm super yeah. happy. And, and I'll, I'm also really happy with like the way people have taken to the instructions that I made. And, you know, like I've heard from people who initially bought the book and didn't know what to do with it and now know that they get it now. And I think that's really great. So I like the side of the flexibility of it. Mm-hmm. Like and and whenever we whenever we had these conversations, I'm always on the side of like, it it should be super flexible. And my favorite example of this was the the like was the person who posted how they're using it as a student, which mm. is I think is a great example of it's like theme system adjacent slash exam prep and planning. And it, like I think that's just a great example to me of. You have these boxes; they can be used in a variety of ways, and uh, I really like seeing the, the the example of here. Here's how I'm using it as a student uh, to get ready for exam day. So it's it's been very interesting to see all the unexpected ways uh, that people are using it. Yep. So you can go to uh, cortexmerch.com, get your name on the restock newsletter, like the restock email list there. Go to the themesystem.com. Get your name on the email newsletter. And while you're at CortexMerch.com... Yes. Cortexmas is fast approaching. And it is. I have had something I've wanted to do for years. We're finally doing it. The Cortexmas ugly sweater. Gray, are you familiar with the ugly sweater phenomenon? I am familiar with the ugly sweater phenomenon. So this is about around the holiday season. Buying and wearing at parties... Sweaters that are intentionally very ugly and loud and wild, right? Which is coming from just like a trend where people were being bought these sweaters probably as kids. I know I got them. Everyone got a Christmas jumper and it was terrible. So now Mm -hmm. people embrace it and create ugly sweaters. Now, look, I am very aware of the fact that it is not even Halloween when this episode comes out and we are talking about 
the holidays. Yeah, but it's fine. We're recording this in the UK, which doesn't do Halloween and just blows straight into Christmas starting in September. Yeah, so. there's advent calendars everywhere. It's yeah. so upsetting. But now we are it's adding to that problem. But there is a reason for this. <laughs> this is a two-week campaign from when it goes on sale. So yes. you only have a couple of weeks to get it. They then have to be made and shipped. And I want people to have the best chance possible of getting these to wear to their office holiday parties. Right? Yes, yes. So we are selling this very early, two weeks only. We're selling a sweater and T-shirt variant of something I am so unbelievably proud of. It is... <laughs> okay, I want to try and describe this, but you have to go and see it for yourself. It will be in our show notes, and it will be at cortexmerch.com. It is a design of, I think, like the most perfectly Cortex thing. We have a cowboy hat for all the Cortexans. Mm-hmm. Yep. There is the Cortexmas tree. Mm-hmm. And then we have iconography of email and time mm-hmm. tracking. <laughs> yeah. So very Cortexy, but I think office appropriate, right? Yes, it is office appropriate. The thing is, Mike, I know you want to make an ugly sweater, but mm-hmm. I think this is genuinely really nice looking. I do not disagree with you. Yeah, it's like, I, I, I think if you were trying to make an ugly sweater, you sort of failed because it looks really okay. nice. <laughs> Well, the it's it's like inverted commas ugly, right? Like I'm doing like the the quotation marks as I'm saying. Right. I think right. it is very beautiful, but in the realm of ho- holiday sweater. So Right, yeah. It's uh it's it looks like it's knitted, it's not, it's screen printed, but mm. our wonderful designers made it look that way. Uh, like mm-hmm. it's not actually thread, it's very clever. Uh so you can go and get it now at cortexmerch.com and to go alongside this, we are bringing back the subtle tea and subtle sweater for two weeks. Mm-hmm. I am wearing my subtle sweater for the first time today because we last put them on sale as we were going into summer, which was... <laughs> the best time to sell sweaters. Look, it was a August. really good way to gauge the interest in such a product. That's true. That's fair. I am wearing mine today and I am so happy with the subtle sweater. It is very soft. Very nice, very nice sweater. So you can get the subtle tea, the subtle sweater, and the Cortexmas ugly sweater at cortexmerch.com for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Go and get them. Great holiday gifts for you or somebody that you love. Cortexmerch.com. Cortexmerch.com. You mentioned a moment ago about being on the Reddit. Yeah. Yeah, I did. You're back on the internet, aren't you? Yeah. I'm back on the internet. This is one of the million things that's happened since yep. the last time yep. I spoke to you. I think I hinted in one of those early recordings that you I was did. expecting to being back on the internet, and then we just blew past you, it. You you said, like, it's coming, basically. You know, So, like, I was expecting it, but it was still a surprise. Oh, uh, okay. It started with seeing you in the Reddit for an episode. I was like, uh-oh, here he goes. <laughs> and then you started tweeting up a storm, and we're going to get to some of those tweets, I think, in a little bit. I mean, would we say that I was tweeting up a storm? I'm not 100% sure about that. But, a, a, uh, a very small storm, like a snow globe like yeah, storm, little, but a storm nonetheless. Storm. The thing is, though, when you came back and started tweeting again, a storm arose around you, uh, whether you wanted that or not. Mm-hmm. feels like you're like pretty back on the internet. I was expecting maybe tiptoeing in, Mm -hmm. but it feels like you are back, baby. And so I wanted to understand what does the internet look like for you now, especially social media? And are you being reminded of things that you enjoyed or missed? I like that, Mike. Yes, I'm back, baby. That's that's what you're looking for. Yep. (sighs) Yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm having a... 
there's a weird way in which I'm, ha- I'm having a little bit of a hard time talking about and articulating this project because it's gone on for so long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a very long project to have gone on, and you know, you're you're at, you're at a you're a different person at the end of the journey than you are at the start of the journey. Hey, freelancers, want to save 192 hours? Well, our friends at FreshBooks can help you do just that with their super simple cloud accounting software. By simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online, FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for over 10 million people to deal with their paperwork. What kind of paperwork? Well, late payment reminders. FreshBooks automates that process so that you can spend less time chasing payments and more time working your magic. And when you email a client an invoice, FreshBooks can show you whether they've seen it, which puts an end to the guessing games. I've used FreshBooks for years, and if you're listening to this and not using FreshBooks yet, now is the time to try it. Perhaps you have an invoice that you've been delaying on sending. Well, sign up with FreshBooks, because they're offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of this show. No credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com slash cortex and enter cortex in the how did you hear about us section. That's freshbooks.com slash cortex. We thank FreshBooks for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. I mean, the internet still looks like the Wild West crazy place that it always has been which is both the best and the absolute worst of humanity. But I'm glad the project's over. Like it, it, it went on for a while and it felt like it was time for it to end. Yeah, I just like I had a video coming out around the year time and I thought this is a, this is a good way to, to come back, to just be like, hey, here's a video posted on the Twitter. And then say hi to people in the Reddit mm-hmm. and and sort of have it at that. So, yeah, I'm 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 back. I like I almost don't know really what to to say about it in some ways. Like, I, I think you actually articulated a, a a really interesting idea thinking about the internet that sort of got into my head. Where you said you have this note in your notes file about rules of engagement. Mm-hmm. And I don't have anything as as firmly as that, but I I do think that I I have a a clearer idea in my head about, particularly with something like Twitter or Instagram, about the intentionality of what am I using this for? Like, what is is the purpose of Mm -hmm. this thing? So yeah, I don't know. I think I feel like that's probably one of my biggest thoughts and feelings is is like there are a bunch of ways in which I sort of don't want to use this or or ways that I don't want to use the system and just being a little bit more intentional about what am I trying to achieve with this. Yeah, I don't know. It was also just interesting talking to people over the course of that year because I I feel like this is the key year where almost everybody's opinions on social media have changed quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And the, like the overwhelming tide of consensus from most of of the people who I speak to is about, oh, this is obviously not good. Like it's it's always interesting to see how public opinion changes in some ways, and and this feels like yes, over the last eighteen months, over the last year, 
the the general consensus on social media has 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 really had quite the quite the downturn. So yeah, I'm st- I'm getting increasingly concerned. I've I've sort of mentioned it before, but I do think like I've seen people kind of lose their minds over this stuff. Mm-hmm. And but I think the awareness of that has also spread further. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know, but I'm happy to be back, and I don't think I will be. As back as I was, if we rewind to 18 months ago, but like um, I think I'm back in a better return on investment way on the internet for now. This is something that I want to keep coming back to because I'm I'm thinking a lot about this myself. My main concern right now about social media, I am concerned about what the direct access model between people and real celebrities is doing to our minds in general both as the public and the famous people i think it is good for neither end and i am becoming concerned about that can you elaborate on that mike the best it's very difficult for me to talk about this about talking about specifics and talking about specifics leads to a lot of the time political issues okay so i would what made me start to think about this is chrissy teigen who's one of my very favorite people to follow on social media she was posting about issues that she is having with a conspiracy theory group Mm -hmm. saying that her and her husband are involved in a lot of very nasty things, Mm -hmm. which is all untrue. But it follows her around, and she can't get rid of it. And Mm -hmm. she's been kind of, over the last few days when we're recording this, posting examples of the types of things that she's receiving, like messages that she receives, things that she has sent. And I don't think that this is good for her or any Mm -hmm. of the people obsessed with the conspiracy. And whilst there have always been conspiracy theories, I think that the model that we have all built for ourselves of give me all the content, here's all the content, Mm. is affecting everyone. And I just don't know how I feel about all of it because there's so much good that comes from it, but there's also this bad part. And I don't know how to separate the good part and the bad part. Because, like, as somebody who shares a lot about his life, I get so much good from it. But mm-hmm. then there is also a bad, right? That does happen to me, but it is minuscule compared to the good. But at someone of uh, Tegan's level, who has 12 million followers, right? She, I'm sure, is in proportionally similar to me. So much good but also bad, but because the numbers are so much larger, the bad is so much bigger and louder and yeah. hard to ignore. And so I you know, I, I am concerned for individuals that are in the spotlight for what this kind of thing does to them, but I am also concerned for the people that become obsessed with these types of peculiarities because they get more input than they would have before right yeah. and this even comes down to like gossip like celebrity mm-hmm. gossip there's too much of it now right because 
we can see everything. And then we can talk about it. And we can talk about it with people we don't know. We can just talk about it. And like you can go onto the trending pages and find out what things people are talking about. And like what celebrity right now is trending? Why are they trending? Let's find out. Let's have an opinion. Mm. I am concerned about the sheer amount of this type of input in all directions. I don't know it's bad. I don't think social media on a whole is bad, but I mm. think that there is a part of it which is not good for us and unfortunately is the exact same thing that the companies that run these networks need to push to get their engagement up. So I think that it is a slightly concerning situation that we're finding ourselves in right now. Um, and I'm keen to see where it goes from here, like over the next five to 10 years, like how do we change as a society? Like which moves do we make? But I feel like right now we are at a point politically, globally, where this stuff is being highlighted a lot more than it has been before. And like I say politically, not in just like politics, right? Like this idea of there being sides to big arguments, you know? Yeah. I'm just, I'm pausing here because I'm trying to think about how to talk about something because you're sort of hitting on a thing, which I, I think of as a little bit of a, is like a forbidden and dangerous topic among people who have any level of fame. So here, here is the thing that's, that I really noticed because a lot of people who have public personas of in some sort knew when we're fully aware of me doing this project. And so a lot of people wanted to talk to me and I had this interesting experience of, of, of people sometimes expressing what I could describe as like, they're kind of afraid of their own audiences and that, that it's this kind of thing that what happens is you're producing content and you're, you're sort of afraid of what's going to happen when a small portion of the audience reacts extremely negatively, or they're just like worried about what's going to happen. So I had a lot of people say like, man, I wish I could just sort of disappear like you have and everything would be fine. But they're also afraid that there would be like a big pushback if they did that. Um, And yeah, there's like a, there's just this very strange phenomenon that happens when you have really large numbers of people because you start collecting like high variance, negative individuals within that group. And it's just like, you you talk about someone who has 12 million followers I always think it's useful to kind of think of that as, you know, imagine you were dropped into a city where the population is 12 million and they all know you. It's like, well, that's a that's a bad situation. You've got to leave that city. You've got to get right out of that. Yeah. Yeah. That is a really bad situation because you know what a city of 12 million needs? It's like, well, it needs police because at that level, you can't just depend on, oh, everybody's a good person. You draw a circle around 12 million people. There are a lot of people who are not stable people in the in a group of 12 million randomly selected individuals. And so, like, it's just an interesting thing that because fame is a thing that's available to many more people than before, there's like a multiplication of this of this strange effect. And I, I think you've put it in a good 
way there that I was thinking of some of the people that I've I've spoken to, but your point about like it's not good for anybody is a is a good thing to focus on of like this is this isn't good for the audience in some ways and it's and it's really not good for the creator. And this is why I wanted to to talk about it a little bit because I've hit on this feeling right with that specific thing because I mm. think the concern is like a concern that I have is and I think a concern a lot of people have. So if you are somebody who is complaining about social media because you have a large following it seems it's so detached from reality right mm-hmm. so the concern of like oh i'm worried about what this is doing to celebrities like that on its own is like it's a, it's a non-useful thing to talk about but i am also concerned about everyone like that's the new thing that i've started to feel is i am concerned about everybody mm-hmm. people who are just the consumer of it as well as the creator of the the content as the world continues to change politically in many ways i think that it is very fair to look at social media as like a nucleus of this type of change Mm -hmm. and i am just not sure how i feel about it all i feel like it's i feel like it's not i think like it's not good for the human race as a whole <laughs> in history. And there are like all of these problems of I am also a voracious consumer, right? Because I am as addicted to social media as everybody else. Mm-hmm. But I am trying to change my habits and I'm happy about where a lot of my habits are changing. I really think, weirdly, a lot of this problem is focused around networks which are text based. Like, that seems to be the problem, right? Like, because people can fight and people can share things that aren't true and they go viral even though they're not true because people like to believe in the truth of this thing. Mm-hmm. And then that changes people's opinions because we're all silly monkeys who just read headlines, mm-hmm. right? And believe the headline. And then that's that. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just concerned because... The best interests of the users are not held by the networks because they can't be because of the way that we value companies, Mm -hmm. right? Especially venture capital-backed social media companies. They need engagement and people get really engaged when they're annoyed about something. And it's like, I just don't know where we go from here. Mm -hmm. And I am realizing that it is something that I am becoming a little bit more concerned about as i see things unfolding online it's a very peculiar thing yeah yeah and it's it's difficult to talk about on on multiple levels i still just i find your your phrase about it's it's bad for everyone kind of striking in an, an interesting way to look at it there, there's a way in which like like you if you talk about the gossip there like there's a there's a way that the gossip is bad about the gossipy but it's also bad for the gossiper Mm-hmm. And if if you end up getting trapped in the loop where you're you're just talking about this stuff all all the time, it's like I, I think it starts to for some people in particular, like it just takes up your whole brain. Mm-hmm. I didn't mind having a big space of time kind of away from the internet. And but what if all we learn from you is? <laughs> that you can't escape it, right? That when you come back, you just fall back into this pattern again and then we're all fucked. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, we might all be fucked. 
Mike, because I don't I don't know what a good solution necessarily is. The biggest problem is that like it is not all bad. There are great things, fun things on social media that take us there every day. Like the good of it is brilliant, but that mm-hmm. also makes it worse in some ways because then it means we have to take the bad. Yeah. Right? And that's that makes it so complicated. I don't want to lose the good part, right? Yeah. It's it's very tricky. Yeah, yeah, and this is like this is the idea that I expressed several times over the course of the year. Like I really miss a sort of internet humor that you know, like when the internet has produced something funny, it can be the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yep. And in a like and in a deep way like when like when you're really down deep in the lore of a thing, like mm-hmm. someone can make a joke that is incredibly funny and very difficult to articulate to others. Mm-hmm. And is like it's a deep kind of humor. And the internet is like aces at that. Like it just only exists there. It's it's beautiful. <laughs> like it's really a thing of it's really a thing of beauty. So so yeah, you like we have all we do have all of these upsides. But there are there are just like these downsides that are very hard to grapple with for everyone. And to sort of go back to it, the reason why I said it's this like this little bit of a forbidden topic is it is this thing, like you said, of, of like if you're a famous person talking about the difficulty of fame, no one wants to hear that. You seem ungrateful. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and there is this weird way in which the inability to express that makes a certain kind of problem more hidden. And it's just like, it just becomes this very strange thing. I, I still really advise, not for a year, but I think people should take breaks from the internet. Like this should be a regular thing. And yeah, it's sort of a, like almost a weird cliche now, but I think it's a good thing. And I keep coming back to two analogies in my mind about this. And one of them is fasting from food that the first time I did this, it changes something in the way that you think about food that's difficult to articulate, but makes you sort of more aware and more mindful of food. Mm -hmm. And I think taking a break from the internet is sort of like that. Or if that analogy doesn't work for you, the way everyone I know who's done hallucinogens describes hallucinogens in the same way. That, oh, there's an experience that you have, but also there's something in your life that's a little bit different about the way that you think about things that's hard to articulate, you know, after the ayahuasca in the desert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I really strongly suggest... Hallucinogens? <laughs> Is that... <laughs> Is that what? Uh, well, I mean, I'm very hallucinogen curious, uh-huh. but that's a different yeah. story. <laughs> Something for another time. <laughs> but I, I strongly suggest that people do try these little breaks because I, I, I think it's good for the audience. It's, it's good for individuals to do this. And to be separated from these things helps you think about them in a, in a different way. So don't do it for a year. Even I think that that may have been too long. But there were there were some reasons that I did end up extending it. But it's like, do it, you know, do it for a week. I, th- I think it's good to get in your head. But yeah, so it, it, the Internet is like awesome and also very concerning. <laughs> 
This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Setup. Setup is an amazing place to find applications for the Mac. The curation team only selects apps that meets the highest quality standards in design, usefulness, and user experiences, which makes it one of the best places around. And Setup is unrivaled as being one of the most productive tools for the Mac because it packs over 150 apps into one subscription. It saves you so much time and money because the search for the very best tools has been done for you and you pay just one flat fee per month. Apps are added to Setup all the time, updates are free, and their features are fully unlocked, and it's completely free for the first week without any restrictions. So go now to setup.com, and if you like it, you pay just $9.99 a month for as long as you find it useful, and I'm sure it will be. Once again, that is setup.com, S-E-T-A-P-P.com, and see how it fits into your workflow. Our thanks to Setup for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. It's the end of October, right? Which is the perfect time to talk about new iPhones. <laughs> it's only two months old at this point, but mm-hmm. like, we have to do it because I listened back to our last episode, and you said, "As long as they're well, I don't again. I don't even know if it was the last episode. I listened to an episode that we did, right? At some point in time, at some point, and you said, as long as it had more camera." Or a better camera. I think better camera was what I said. If it has a better camera, I'm going to buy More it. More is also the same. More better camera right. that you would get a new iPhone. So I am assuming that you have a new iPhone. Yeah, got one. Which one did you get? Uh, okay, so Mike, I got the regular sized iPhone 11 Pro. That's fine. I doesn't. I doesn't. I don't mind. Okay, I've left the plus club max crew max crew it doesn't bother me so much anymore just because there's been so much fluctuation over time like i'm less held tightly to that really Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i knew that for a while that i was not going to get the plus size again Mm -hmm. and this summer was really the the interesting breaking point while like while i do like the bigger phone and the bigger screen this sounds ridiculous to say, but now that I professionally film a surprising amount of stuff on my phone that I'm actually going to use at some point in time, the bigger phone ends up being a, a kind of pain point for using it as an actual filming video camera. Um, it's annoying if I ever want to attach anything to it, like if I want to put it in a little clamp, if I wanted to have a battery case on it, if I wanted to have like an attachable lens. All these things exist, but they do become bigger and a little bit more cumbersome. I understand. All of those things exist, but I always found that the big phone was perfect if you're using it just as the phone. But the moment I tried to have any audiovisual accoutrement attached to it, it was immediately more hassle than it was worth. Right, right. And since I don't see that use decreasing over the next year, I decided I'm going to go down to the smaller size okay. phone. What color did you get? I got black, but I have been wondering if I should have gotten the green. I still haven't seen the green in person. Oh, but really? Look, Mike, I haven't left my house in like a month. You know what? I actually, you know, you say that. I, I knew that. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that about you. It's like, when would I, when would I have seen the green phone? I have no idea. I'm probably fine with the black, but I, I have this little bit of a feeling that I'm going to see the first green phone in real life and, and then be full of regret. But I went with the black. I was very anti-green. Okay. But I have the midnight green. Oh, you do? Do you? Yeah. And it's the right choice. 
<laughs> oh no, don't tell me it that, really Mike. It really is, because most of the time, it just looks like a really dark gray. Yeah. And then you get like the hint of green. And I have it in a clear case, mm-hmm. which is not a great case, mm-hmm. but I want to be able to see the color of my phone. Mm-hmm. And I have an awesome new pop socket. I have a really great new pop socket, Gray. What pop socket do you have? Saw it on an Instagram ad, like all good things these days. The top of it is made of enamel, not plastic. Oh, you got a little solar system one. Yeah. Okay. So I love the green. I love the clear case. Happy with the pop socket. Okay. So when I see you in person, I'm going to be filled with regrets. and That's going to make me sad. (laughs) It's no different (laughs) to usual. (laughs) Uh, What case are you using? I wish you hadn't asked me that right now. Oh, dear. Um, Like my, my current situation is i don't i don't know i don't know. I like okay the phone is too slippery and i'm I'm thinking about again i'm going to be holding it in my hands and filming stuff mm-hmm. so i'm currently using this like spark case which has all these little grippy ridges on the edges of it but then i discovered the grippy ridges don't allow me to put a normal pop socket on the back of it because there's there's too much space between the little ridges like it doesn't stick right spark case I think that's what it's called. Do you called. mean spec? Maybe. I might mean spec. Yeah, I think yeah. you mean spec. That's very possible that I mean spec. Yeah, okay. There's a case with a bunch of ridges on it. I don't even know if I should tell you this. But so then I, I wasn't able to get like a regular pop socket to fit on the back of it. So I bought a bunch of the pop socket minis. And I've stuck three little pop socket minis on the back. Okay. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I've wondered about that. In this little semicircle pattern that just yeah. fits in the spaces. What do you think about the pop socket mini? I sort of love it. Okay. But also it's noticeably harder to pop in and out. Well, and also you've got to unpop multiple ones, right? No, cuz I have one in the center which is the little one that I'm actually just using if I'm grabbing the phone. Right. There's two on the edges that are used entirely for if I want to put the phone in a little stand mode. Okay. Which I actually do quite like. You probably have it set up like how they have it set up on the page that I'm looking at here. However you see it on the page, they put it in a little triangle. Yeah. I've done that, except imagine that the point of the triangle is in the dead center of the phone. Okay. So this is more like there's a little crescent on the side yeah. of pop socket minis. I don't know if I'm going to stick with this. That feels like too much to me. It does feel like a lot. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to save this configuration for gray on the road yeah that's what this configuration how is going on to be. earth are you wireless charging with three pop sockets you are not wirelessly charging with three pop sockets that's for sure yeah uh I, like i just have to give up the dream of wireless charging in a pop socket did you ever look at the otterbox pop socket case okay you have one in the show notes yes. which looks different from the one that i got they make so I, two they make one right. called pop symmetry and then this like crazy rugged one Okay, if I got one of them, which is not the one that you have in the show notes. Okay. So I got I got a different one. You got one where it's all smooth on the back, I bet. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's called Pop Symmetry. And then the one that I have in the show notes is Pop Defender. I don't okay. like this. This was way too aggressive for me, but... Okay, so I, I got the other one. All right. And it was, I, I had hopes of, oh, wow, I'll be able to charge uh-huh. wirelessly with this integrated case. And I also thought case plus pop socket is a big pro because then it's like it's more solid. The probability of the pop socket coming out yeah. uh, is less. 
I'm going to rate the case that I got negative three stars out of five. Oh, boy. It's a terrible, terrible case, and I hated everything about it. Okay. I wasn't able to wirelessly charge. Did you try taking, I mean, this isn't a tenable solution in the long run, but like, did you try, did it wireless charge if you took the pop socket like thing off? Did that work? No, I refuse. That's dumb. I, I just wanted to know if it worked. I never even tried. Okay. I, like, I just threw it in the garbage. Because that's what theory. it says. It says, works with Qi wireless charging, open bracket, may need to remove pop top, close bracket. Okay. Well, I would at very least have to re- remove it because it didn't it work. It didn't at work. All. Okay. I, I, I hated it. But I also hated that the, the way the pop socket was attached to the case it was like behind a little bit of a curve i found it impossible to get the pop socket out mm. it was also at the wrong spot for it's where i would want it with my hand yeah. is way too low down yeah. i didn't like the feel of the case and i was filled with anger for having purchased it and i was like this is maybe one of the worst cases i've ever had like it accomplishes okay. nothing that i wanted to do and is just taking up a bunch of space it's a very ugly case it, yes it was also ugly so that's why I gave it negative three stars negative out of five. It was stars. absolutely, absolutely terrible. I'm pleased that we're starting to begin this, uh, we're calibrating a new gray star rating system. <laughs> yeah. So it's good to know when negative three begins on the on the rating system. <laughs> Who knows the, the, the real kind of swing of this system? How high and low can we get? We'll find out over time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was it was infuriating. So the case situation is very not good for you right now. Um, I wanted to get your opinion. Have you ever used any of the moment stuff, the cases, the the lenses, stuff like oh, that? Oh, okay. So so yes, the other case I have, they have a super thin case that I have pre ordered, uh, which should be coming, I think, at the end of the month. The iPhone thin photo case. I think you had a black one of these, didn't you? Okay, so I have, um, for my previous phone, my Max phone, I had a a Moment case. Mm -hmm. One of the cases that's designed to be used with the lens. Mm -hmm. But I have to say, forgetting the whole lens system, that case was fantastic. I really, really liked uh, the Moment case for my phone. I thought it just totally separate from the lenses was a a nicely made quality case, which is why I pre-ordered one of their just super thin cases. Like, let me give this one a shot. So, so this could be the exact opposite of my rugged case with three pop sockets on it. Like I can try one of these super thin cases and see how that works. But so I'm going to highly rate moment stuff. Like I, th- I think their stuff is really high quality and I do really like their, their swappable lenses as well. There's a, there's a couple of shots in some of my videos that were, I use like the wide angle moment lens. Yeah. Would you need that now? I don't know. I mean, how wide can you go? Can you go minus 0.2? wide I, I sort of enjoy apple's little notation there like this is 2x and this is 0.5x that's mm. like i've never seen that notation used for a lens but sure that works so yeah i really like their stuff i highly recommend it i'm looking forward to seeing what this new case of theirs is like i'm not in like a great iphone case situation right now so we'll we'll have to see it looks like the new moment case you can only put their lenses on two of the lenses. Hmm, interesting. I'm assuming the wide angle they are not doing anything with. I have a hard time with this this terminology because there's the tele. Like, okay, they super keep wide. The telephoto. Sorry, or the ultra yeah. wide. Yeah. Telephoto wide and ultra wide. Yep. Is what Apple wants you to say. Yep. But I think they should just call them the telephoto, the regular, and the wide. I know it should just be called the regular, right? Like, it, I, just know. call it the regular one. I it never used to call it the time. wide angle lens, but now I have to. 
right? And no, it's just like no. so confusing. No one's going to call it that. You just have you have to totally you have to completely give it up. That's not going to happen. But yeah, so you're sticking with your clear case for now to show off the green of your phone. Well, so like here's the thing. So mm-hmm. the clear case that's going to remain my like daily case. I come fine with it. Like it was originally really slippery. But mm-hmm. it has gotten more grippy, even though it's a hard plastic, which I assume is mm-hmm. just my gross hand oils that has done that. Possible. Uh, but also, I use the pop socket, and the pop socket adds to the grip anyway, right? Like, because even when I don't have it unpopped, my hand still kind of like naturally has something to grip onto, even mm. when it's like closed down, which is one of the things I really like about pop sockets in general anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have been really recently getting into taking photos on my phone. Like this was mm-hmm. before the new incredible cameras. Like and I've been really enjoying like tinkering around and like editing them and posting them like to Instagram or my Instagram stories a lot and stuff like that. Like I've really been getting into that. Like I've been enjoying that. Mm-hmm. And so I've been thinking about looking at some of the moment lenses as a additional thing to play around with to get different kinds of photos. So in that instance that I would then buy a moment case and a bunch of their lenses that if I was then going somewhere to take pictures, I would put that on. So I then Mm. have the expandability, right, of the different lenses. But I'm just not sure what I would want. Yeah, the the other thing, though, the other thing to consider, which makes me wonder about those moment lenses, is how much of an effect it will have to block all the multiple lens stuff that Apple is doing, mm. right? The, the camera is going to be in an unexpected situation yes. if you're using one of those lenses. Because it could be blocking something out when it's trying to get data. Yeah. And you know, like what Apple has done with the multiple lenses is, is really fantastic. I had this interesting experience. So I, I talked last time about how I lost my phone to the rain out in the cemetery. As one does. As one does. And I had to go back from the XS to the X. And I remember when the X. S came out. I'm so pleased they've gone to numbers now, so I don't have to hear you oh, keep doing I know. that. <laughs> I know. It's, oh, it's brutal, right? But I remember when the XS came out, I think on the show, we had a conversation where, because my main concern is the camera, I was asking you, like, has anything physically changed about the camera? Because in that generation, that was the start of what Apple is now calling computational photography. And so they they were talking for the XS phones about, oh, the camera's so much better, the camera's so much better. And I was doubtful because I thought, but you haven't changed anything. Like the lens isn't any bigger, the sensor isn't any better. How much of a difference could this have made? And with the XS, I thought, oh, it's it's a little better, but it's not amazing. However, having had the experience of for a month and a half having to go back from the XS to the X made me realize how much work in terms of computational photography the XS was already doing. And the number of of times where I was filming something and I thought, oh, I can't get the sky and the foreground at the same time on the X. Like, Mm -hmm. I have to pick between the two of these in video. And the XS could get both of them. Like, it's really quite impressive, uh, even on the previous generation, what they were doing with all of that stuff. And the current phone is already clearly way better. This camera is just incredible. It's incredible. And it's not just how good each individual camera is now. The flexibility of having like an additional lens. It's just so much fun. Yeah. But the photos that it is capturing, it's just stunning. Like unbelievable. Yeah. But all of that stuff 
is the computational photography. And so, like, I would just wonder if you're mounting something like a lens on the camera. Would it make it worse? Right.、Mm. Like, you may be able to get a particular effect, but the question is the trade-off. Yeah, like, I don't know. Do you want four times zoom or do you want two times zoom, but four times as clear? Like, that may be the trade-off that you're having to make. I don't know, but I, I would be concerned about it because of of all of the great stuff that like、yeah. this camera is able to do. I'm thinking I I would like to know the answer to that. So like I'm thinking about maybe picking up some of those lenses at some point.、Mm-hmm. But that is a very good point that I had not considered. But just in general, though, these cameras, yeah, are incredible. Yeah, the first time I took a nighttime photo, my mind was blown. Oh, like, the night photos! Ah, <laughs>、oh, come on. I sort of forgot about it for a long time. I don't think I took one nighttime photo until two weeks after having the phone, and then I was out on the street one night and I thought, "Oh, let me see what that like."、Yep. Oh my god, it's amazing! <laughs> I sent you this one picture that I posted on Instagram that I took of Adina, which I genuinely think is like the best photo I've ever taken, and it had absolutely nothing to do with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not you, Mike. That's the phone. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say I edited it in Visco. I tweaked it to my own tastes, which okay, helps. Yes, I'm sure, very nice. But like the phone's doing the heavy lifting.、There. It it really is. Like the portrait mode stuff is so good now, because you like I I a lot of the portrait mode photos that I take I like. I really kind of like pull the effect down, right? Like because you can adjust the effect, I make it way less blurry, and it still looks good and、mm-hmm. hides some of the errors that these things will do.、Mm-hmm. But just like you know, I, I see that many people have said this about this picture, and I th- keep thinking about pictures that I'm seeing. This could be any camera now. Yeah, one hundred percent. This could be any camera. And what I'm really shocked at is just its ability to replicate a lot of this in video. Because like that—that's when I say like I want a better camera. A lot of what I'm thinking of is is like video that I'm going to be shooting on the phone. Yeah, that's the difference between me and you. Me, it's all photo, and you, it's all video. I barely take any video on my phone at all. Yeah, and and I'm just I'm shocked because when I just think of the sheer processing that needs to happen, and, I, and I'll look sometimes and be like, let me get this straight. You're creating for me, phone. An HDR image that has the sky and the foreground and the person all properly exposed, and you're doing it at 4K 30 frames a second, like just just as I'm looking at it, it's insane. It's really really impressive, and more and more, it's been interesting to see like higher and higher professional end uses of the phone.、Mm-hmm. But one example where I thought this is an unbelievable demo of how the phone is actually better. Than video cameras was the demo of the feature that Filmic hasn't released yet, but is coming, where they can shoot video from multiple cameras on the phone at the same time. Yep, and it's like you've got to be kidding me! All lenses, the three on the back, the one on the front, all of them. Yeah, it's like you can see what all of them see, and I think you could pick two to record simultaneously. I think was the limitation,、right. but. It was it was still shocking, and you know, like all I was thinking of there is even just for doing a simple thing where I'm trying to record myself walking, like in the Billup video. It's like I'm on Billup Manor, and I'm trying to shoot a video where I'm like talking about the experience as I'm walking away from the manor, and then I have to remember a couple of times later to like, oh, make sure I get some front-facing shots too, so I can like cut between these these two things, and someone can see where I'm walking to and where. Well, like. 
I could do this on my phone and just have the front-facing camera and the rear-facing camera going at the same time and see both of them at the same time on the screen so that everything is properly framed. It's like, it's unbelievable. Or even just the number of times I would want to be able to have the option of switching between the regular lens or the ultra-wide if there was something that's just slightly out of frame. Be like, great, just film both of them and I'll figure it out later. That demo just completely blew my mind and I think is a great example of of like the low-end technology eventually taking over the high-end technology. Right around the corner from me here, there's a video that I was sort of thinking of making which touches on this idea, but I bought like a proper DSLR camera this summer for one of the projects that I was working on because I thought, oh, I definitely need the higher quality that this thing can provide in a certain situation. And it's like, this thing's a piece of junk compared to my phone, right? It's like, it's, it is absurd how good the phones have become. And it's like, man, that DSLR that I bought was one of the dumbest business purchases I've made over the last year. It's like, that thing is going to collect a bunch of dust. And guess what? In the, the circumstances where I thought I was going to use it, phone was better most of the time. So yeah, it's it's incredibly impressive how far these things have come. The battery life's also really good. <laughs> I have to say, I'm glad to have a phone where I finally feel like the battery life has gotten better. Yeah. I know I know, Apple says the battery life has been better every year, mm-hmm. but I haven't believed it since the 6. It feels like I've had barely better battery every year ever since the 6, and I've always hated it. And this one finally feels like this is what a battery life... I would still want more, but it's way closer to being... I can actually use it for a whole day. Well, you always want more, right? But... But now, like, yes, you can get a whole day no matter what you're doing, by and large. Like, as long as you're yes. within regular parameters, yes. you can you can do it, which is kind of amazing, isn't it, really? Yeah, it's it's very impressive. So I, I have to say, I've, I've got to give this generation of phones a big, <laughs> like, uh, six stars out of five, maybe? I don't oh, know. Interesting. Like, it's pretty okay. good. Like, I'm, I'm ridiculously happy with this generation of phones. So it is a five, you, you are considering it a five scale rating. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's on the it's on the fly. Should we re-record that? I'll say I give it seven stars out of six. That hasn't helped, has it? That didn't help. Oh, <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. Look, it's good. It's good. The phone gave one hundred and ten percent. Is what I'm trying to say. What about Apple Watch? Apple Watch is not such a universally loved story. I am one of the people who's having horrific battery life problems on my Apple Watch. Oh, you got a new one though. <laughs> I did get a new one. Always on face is amazing. I have I have some things that I really want to complain about, but um, yeah, I'm one of the people that the battery life is just brutal for, and I just, I sort of don't know what's going on with this, and um, I still have my fingers crossed for like, maybe this is fixed in a software update, but it's bad. It's a bad battery life situation with the new Apple Watch. What does bad, what does bad look like though? Like what is Bad that? looks like a pretty reasonably have to charge it at some point in the afternoon mm. if I've gone to the gym in the morning. Huh, okay. So, like, if I go to the gym, that basically guarantees I need to do an extra charge. And the other thing is I used to have a watch, and I would wear the same watch for sleep tracking and during the day. Like, I would just charge it in the morning and charge it in the evening. And that's totally impossible with the current watch. Like, I've, I've had to bust out my old watch and use that as the nighttime sleep tracking watch Mm. so that this one charges up during the day and then can actually 
get me through the day if I don't go to the gym. It's a very, very noticeable decrease in battery life. And and also, I like I don't know if it exactly what the situation is, but I think the battery must be bigger or it charges slower. But there's there's that end of it, too, that like I can't pop it on the charger for a little bit in the morning and the evening and be OK. It seems to charge up very slowly. And I presume that's because the battery is bigger to manage the always on screen. But I don't know. So it's bad enough that it's made me have to use two watches and made me very aware of exercise days needing to find some other time to put it on the charger, which is not great situation. So there are reports of the 6.1 beta that helping some people who are having battery life issues, which you would probably expect that there's some software stuff that they can do to maybe fix some edge case issues that they're having. Mm-hmm. But you would naturally assume, though, that the screen being on all the time is going to decrease the battery life. I mean, obviously, you are seeing... Yeah bad results like more than you would have expected because it doesn't really seem like you're getting the 18 hours that apple said you should be getting right yeah there's no way i'm getting anywhere close to 18 hours like not a chance on earth that i'm getting 18 hours out of Mm. it it does make me wonder like i know other people who are having the same issue it seems pretty prevalent among people i know who've gotten the new apple watch yep it makes me wonder this thing where people say, oh, there's there's a fix coming in a software update. And I just sort of wonder, like, what is the what's Apple's process here? Like, is Apple's software development six months ahead of their product releases? And they, they're like, oh, it's, it's going to be perfectly fine. We just have to get this software update out, but it's going to take a while. I don't know. I just, I just wonder. I wonder what what this situation is the result of. I find it a little bit confusing. Or Or if it's some sort of manufacturing variants that was greater than they were expecting i don't know but i just it's it makes me wonder what's going on with the process over at apple because it's it seems pretty dramatic in terms of battery life difference but i mean i do love the always on screen it's pretty nice Mm. and uh it's nice to have my brain slowly train out of having to move my wrist like i always felt like the watch was pretty good at picking up the flicking but you still did have to move your wrist a little bit and now it's much more like a normal watch, you know, like what you wear, Mike. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Isn't that right? <laughs> I've heard a rumor. <laughs> oh, yeah? I've heard a rumor uh-huh. that you might be wearing an Apple Watch. Is uh-huh. that rumor true? A rumor is true. What'd you get? I fell in love with the ceramic. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. What color ceramic? White. It's only in white, the ceramic, I think. Oh, is it? Okay, interesting. The titanium comes in two colors. Oh, the, that's what I'm thinking of. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. The ceramic is just white. That's interesting. I've, I've seen a white ceramic one, the original one that they did years ago. Yep, love that one. And I thought one. it was gorgeous. Uh, is this is this along the same lines? It is, yes. It's stunning. Mm. Which is why I own it, because I saw it and fell in love with it. Ah, okay. So this is a piece of jewelry yep. for your wrist? Is yep. that what you're saying? Yeah, I... I have very complex feelings towards the Apple Watch. They okay, still, tell me. They still remain. I am just not sure how to set it up still. I've been wearing it a lot. I don't wear it all the time, but I've been wearing it a lot since I bought it. I wear mm. it with the, the white, comes with a white sport band. Mm-hmm. That white on white look is very nice. I find the always on screen to be good, but the always on screen actually makes some Apple Watch functions worse, which is kind of like a funny thing. Like, for mm. example, 
if you have your hand on the table and you get a notification and you look down at your wrist, nothing happens, mm. which breaks the mental model of the Apple Watch, which is like, when I see it, something will happen. Or like, for example, I'm looking at the screen and I swipe down and nothing happens. Yeah. Because it's not technically activated, which I think should be something that they find a way to resolve. Like, mm. the watch should know I touched it. It didn't do what it was expecting, where right? should one tap to wake up and then swipe down. So, like, there are things that the always-on screen actually makes worse, which is a kind of a funny thing. Yeah, the one that really throws me is uh, exercise apps, mm-hmm. that when I'm exercising at the gym, there's a little app that is on my watch that's running, but Apple will then overlay a digital watch face and blur out the background yes, so that yes. I can and, and like I find it mentally confusing every single time I really hate that little digital watch face I don't expect this to be here and if and that feels like I need to dismiss this thing to get back it, it feels much more awkward and I hate it mm-hmm. um, and it's it's just yeah it's a bad mental model of like what is this watch face that I never asked for that's here like I'm perfectly fine if you need to conserve battery life during a workout. Just blank out the screen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's fine. Or or put a static image of the way the exercise app looked the last time you checked. But it, it's a very weird design decision to show this other watch during exercise time. But I, I am also not surprised that the first version of this technology is weird in places, mm. right? Yeah. But like basically, you know, in a nutshell, the always on display has made the Apple Watch a viable watch for me again. Mm. Because it was not like I I it was my main source of frustration and mm. I was incredibly surprised that Apple added this feature. I had written it off. I mm. thought they're never going to do it because they hadn't done it. And it didn't seem like it was set for this edition. Like it was, there were no rumors of it. Nothing. It was a big mm. surprise. My main thing was, I just feel like I can't set up the Apple Watch the way that I want. Like I, yeah. I cannot find a way <laughs> to be happy with the way it notifies me. Oh, oh my God! If you're ta- like, I thought you were talking about the faces, but if you're talking about notifications, yeah, y- y- like I could. Sc- I'm using the California face with black with the white numbers or the white half Roman, white half Arabic. And when this is one of the ones that I'm most happy with the transition from always Mm -hmm. on or that changes the color of the hands. Aside from that, I'm very happy with with like the look, the watch faces in general. I'm 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 unhappy with the customizability of them, um, but I'm I have one set up right now which works for me, which is I have the California face, the date, and one complication, which is a complication called Geneva Moon, which is made by a friend of ours underscore David mm. Smith, which is just an accurate representation of the moon's phase. I just mm-hmm. think that looks very classy and i'm very happy with the general look of that which is important to me because i care more about the way my watch looks even though it's a computer watch i can get to the computer functions if i want i just swipe to the side and i have a very computery watch face set up there mm-hmm. with like weather and like all that nonsense right that's mm-hmm. that's just there when i need it but most of the time i don't want my watch to look that way anymore and i can get to the information when i need it inside of the applications but I am just, I cannot find a way in which I am happy with notifications. What I'm trying right now, my, my main thing right now, is just to leave my watch in permanent do not disturb. Mm-hmm. So I can get to notifications. I can get to stuff if I need it. But then it doesn't send the notifications to the device anymore. 
right? Yeah. Which, like, I don't understand that because that's not how my phone works. When my phone's in Do Not Disturb, the notifications come through, but they stay in Notification Center. What I want is for them to come to my watch and stay in Notification Center, but I don't read it. It's, it's, none of it is the way that I want it to be, but I really love the way this thing works. I like having access to the benefits that an Apple Watch can provide, health mm-hmm. tracking and all that kind of stuff. I like that I can send a quick text message if I want to. I like mm-hmm. that I can control Overcast when I'm listening to a podcast. I like all of that. I don't love any of it, which is why I do not wear this every day. Like mm. It is a watch in my rotation now. Right, okay. Right, and mm. because I think the look of this watch fits a particular style that I'm trying to go for sometimes in the mm. same way that all of my watches do, right? And so I wear it a lot when I'm at home because it's a comfortable watch to wear, but like going out for dinner tonight and I will not be wearing this. Okay, so it's not a dinner watch. It can be. But right. it's it's all dependent on how I'm dressing. Yeah, but that but that that is also going to cause you more problems with how are you going to manage your notifications because then you're in an inconsistent state of is the watch around and yep. you might want notifications to work differently when the watch is not around. Yep. Uh, yeah. The the notification stuff. We, we were talking about like five years ago, mm-hmm. and it's it's still crazy to me that what we thought of as the obvious feature in year two of the watch has still been basically untouched for whatever it is now. It is absolutely infuriating. I may be feeling this particularly sensitively because along with new watches and new phones, we do have this new operating system, Catalina, which brings downtime to the Mac. And like, I will tell you, I have been losing my goddamn mind trying to figure out how to set up everything. Okay, this is going to sound like a crazy exaggeration. I think I may be the world's most power user of downtime that exists. Okay. Like, like, I really think that may actually be the case Mm -hmm. of I'm the person who's gone into all of the notification settings, all of the screen time settings, all of the downtime settings, all of the content restriction settings, which is a whole other old layer that still exists that Apple has, and tried every permutation and combination of every single f***ing switch that exists in all of these things, and am unable to produce results that are sensical. And I am convinced it's because these teams are not talking to each other, because you just get totally weird bugs, totally strange results. And I don't know how they expect any normal person to try to manage any of this stuff. I have not enjoyed the spread of downtime to the Mac because it's it's just increased a huge number of problems for me. Oh, can I tell you my favorite downtime problem? Mm. In default by downtime, nothing is accessible except what you explicitly allow. So you have to have a list of apps where you say, these apps are allowable in downtime. And when I first upgraded on my Mac, I had some entertaining moments where like, you go to unzip a file and it says, system archiver is not available during downtime. And it's like, oh, (laughs) ha ha, right. Like, okay, yes, I'll whitelist the zipping app, you know, to allow me to zip and unzip files during downtime. All right, because I'm just trying to control notifications. I'm trying to use downtime as a layer to basically turn on and off iMessage at, at different times of the day. So I'm like, okay, haha, isn't that entertaining? 
I'll, I'll whitelist the zipping app. There's a couple of others that were sort of like that. And I was like, oh, this is charmingly annoying. I'm going to have to slowly whitelist a hundred tiny system utilities that I never think of normally on my system. Who? Who? Yeah. Who? Come on. Like, really? Like, who thought that? made sense but this is it this is exactly it this is what i mean by like i may be the world's most power user because no one's tried it yeah no one's tried this no okay so let me tell you my favorite thing so one morning whatever it is like catalina 0.01 comes out and i'm like oh let me just i'm making coffee let me just run the update on my system uh while the while the coffee's running so i run the software update computer reboots you know what wasn't allowed by downtime the system reinstaller so the computer boots up and the downtime alert comes on for like, oh, the, the system boot reinstaller is not allowed. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? what? So my computer did not allow me to upgrade my own system to a 0.0 release because of downtime. So this little like white thing comes on the screen and says, this isn't allowed. This app isn't allowed. But the computer's halfway through a reboot, and because very clearly no one ever thought of this situation, the buttons to say, you know, whitelist this app didn't work when the computer's not fully properly booted up. And so I had to wait until 2 p.m. when downtime turned off for the computer (laughs) to reboot. What is that? Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, I was furious like are you kidding then this is just like no one ever thought of this like i don't know what you guys did but this is not an expected situation and it's like hey let the system reboot software work during downtime if someone can update the system no mac utility should have ever been touched yeah no mac utility should have ever been touched because nobody is like i really don't want to unzip a file between <laughs> i know right three. like yeah i i gray i cannot believe that yeah. Like I am flabbergasted by that. That that was by far and away my favorite mistake. <laughs> like, like if you okay. if you were the type of person, right, that thought I want to have my machine completely locked off, so I will set downtime to be on all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Like th- maybe you give yourself a minute a day, right? Yeah, you would not be able to update your system. You would be stuck. Yeah, it was absurd. <laughs> I cannot believe that. Yeah, that was that was the best one. But yeah, there's a ton of stuff in here which is like nobody thought this through. I don't think anybody has used this, or if they've used it, they haven't used it on a system with multiple devices. I'm getting all kinds of like weird syncing errors, and like it, it's it is a crazy making system. I genuinely think I may have to turn off the entire downtime and notification system. Like it's just it is borderline unusable mm. at this point. And there's all sorts of things like there's one thing that I was never able to really articulate until it came to the Mac of like, here's the kind of thing that somebody just doesn't think about. So I have an iPad that I want to use as my research assistant. That iPad I would like to have blocked off in the morning from a bunch of stuff. So it's going to be downtime in the morning. Now on on the device, you can whitelist a whole bunch of stuff. As far as I can tell, there is only a single app that you are not allowed to whitelist. The name of that app is Safari. So if your device is in downtime, 
Safari is not able to be whitelisted. Now you can open Safari, but every single page you go to will tell you you're in downtime. Now, while you can do something like whitelist a Wikipedia app, you can't whitelist the concept of Wikipedia. So there's, there's no way to say anywhere on the internet that you access through Safari is okay to use during downtime. And all I keep thinking of is like, okay, if you're a parent and you want to put your kid's app into downtime so that they focus on their homework, this is the modern world, right? Like there's going to, schools are going to have websites. There's going to be things that kids need to go to. Like how, what is the concept of how this is supposed to be used at this point of time? This was not the application I thought you were going to say you were having problems with. Okay. What did you think I was going to say? Something esoteric. <laughs> yeah. No. Safari. Like one of the three main tenants of the iPhone, right? Like the idea of this product existing, the internet communicator portion. Yeah. So all of all of my dreams of the new version of iOS where I was like, these new features of Safari are going to be a huge deal for me because it allows me to organize the research for videos in a different way on my iPad. None of that can be used during the time where I wish to be most productive. And if I try to use it, I have to manually approve every single day, every website that I want to use, and I can only approve it for that day. So it's like, oh, I just want to look up something quick. Let me go to Google. Uh, Google's not available. Would you like to whitelist it for the rest of the day? Uh, okay, yes. I'm going to forget this tomorrow, but you can use it for today. And then I type in a Google search result, and the first thing that I want to click on is like, you can't go to this website because you're in downtime. Now, hilariously, you can do things like, say, Twitter isn't allowed during downtime, and it'll try to block the Twitter apps. It's like, okay, cool. It tries to know that Twitter's not available in Safari and puts up like this weird extra layer of blockage. But what you can do is you can just download Chrome or Firefox and browse the whole fucking internet without any restrictions at all. <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's, it is the same thing on the Mac. And it's like, I, I almost don't want to say it so that I'm closing off kids' ways to get around like their parents' authoritarian regimes. But it, like the downtime thing is just so trivial to get around if you are even the slightest bit technical and it's like the only place where this is really locked off is it's like it is absolutely crazy making and so i thought oh well i know what i'll do let me just disable downtime on my ipad so i can try to use this in the morning as a research device on safari but it's like oh but then it disables downtime on every single device that you have and it's like oh okay so the settings on every single machine all have to be the same or there's nothing. It is insanity. It is totally insane. I can't understand why Safari is unwhitelistable. <laughs> I would understand if it was unblacklistable. Yeah. Because you could say, well, you can't blacklist Safari because it's too tied into the underpinnings of the system. Yeah. But I can't work out why you cannot whitelist it when yeah. you also have independent controls over websites. Yeah, it's crazy making. Like you can say yes or no to Google. It's very I can't I can't wrap my head around this one. 
There's one of my favorite bugs, which shows me again, like nobody's looking at this stuff, is, okay, you're just going to start all over. Apple has this old system called content restrictions and say, I'm not going to use any of the new stuff. Let me just use the old stuff that they used to try to use for parental controls. So if you turn off everything else, but you turn on content restrictions, there's a bunch of apps that it says, do you want to enable or disable these apps? One of these is Safari. Whether that toggle is set to enable or disable, Safari totally disappears if you have any other content restriction set for your device at all. And that one, there's no way to get around it. <laughs> so it's like, if you want to turn on content restrictions so that your kid can't listen to explicit music, guess what? Safari disappears on that device. It's like, I don't, I don't know what is going on, but these three layers are just working together in very strange ways. And my notification and usage life is a total nightmare. And I just, I don't know what I'm going to do, Mike. I have no idea. <laughs> it seems like you are battling against the system. Yeah, that's totally what it is. Like 100% I'm battling against the system. All of this was just to say, like what you said about notifications in the beginning. It's like, I am trying to do the most trivial of thing. Hey, iMessage, don't bother me in the morning. That's all I'm trying to achieve. Like, I don't want to see your little badge when I wake up and know that I have 27 messages from people overnight. That's all I'm asking for. And like the amount of effort to try to get this to happen is, is like Herculean, even though it should be a thing that these tools allow to happen. But they all have weird bugs or totally unacceptable side effects that don't even make sense. Even if you're just a parent trying to get your kid to use the device less. So yeah, I'm 100% fighting against the system. I may have to just give it up and get notified by iMessage whenever anyone all over the world messages me.